Welcome to Michigan Hockey Cast 5.26, where we're not rebuilding, we're just reloading. Every week, I try to come up with something that is interesting or laughable or something to catch you off guard to see what your opinion is on it. Do you have any idea, for one last time this year, what I could be thinking this week? Uh, no. <laughs> no. NFL draft? <laughs> no, that's that's too on point. That would be, we could, we could probably talk for two segments about that. So if you'd like to, well, no, we probably shouldn't do that. I feel like we have to discuss the Oakland days. <laughs> and we can get into the moving part, you know, because there's we maybe we'll even have different opinions on that. I don't know. I I don't know. You're an older soul like me, so maybe not. But I I've tried to not watch baseball this year because the Mets goal in life is to just ruin my <laughs> psyche. And so I've done a good job of not watching an inning yet. However, I, you know, I monitor a little on my phone or, you know, checking out some, some scores or games or videos or whatever. But um, I can't not look at the AL West standings <laughs> almost every day. Um, so the Oakland A's are, I guess they won last night. I When I was doing this, I think it was tied. They were playing, were they playing the Angels, they I think? They were playing the Angels. They yeah. were up 7-1. to one. They blew the lead. And then it went into extras. It went into extras because I think it was like 10, 11 to ten or ten to ten to eight when I was doing this. Anyway, I was so they're five and eighteen, which is like, you know, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, didn't didn't the Reds start like three and twenty or three and twenty two last year or something like that? Yes, something like that where they'd won like you know one out of nine games or eight games or something like that. You know, something absurd. So they're five and eighteen, which is bad. It's not the worst I've ever seen. But it's bad. The Reds were three and twenty-two. Okay, yeah. Um, but they're negative one hundred and two. Yes, the run differential. Run differential. <laughs> also, they've given up one hundred and eighty-eight runs in twenty-three games. All right, so I did some of the math, and maybe you know I didn't wait till the end of the game, so it could be a little bit off. But right now, they're on pace to give up one thousand three hundred and eleven runs. That's a lot of runs. 188, and then on pace for 13, 11, again, the math might maybe a little bit off. I had it as they're on pace to be negative 758.5 for the year run differential. Is that, so didn't the Dodgers have like a 200 and some positive run differential last year or something like that? And it was like way above everybody else. Yeah. Like like the Bruins this year were like plus 126 in goal differential and like the second or third best team was like 40 something or whatever. Like this is 2003 Tigers were minus 337 in run differential. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah, well they were 43 and 119. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not okay, so I guess what I'm saying is like this isn't that they're losing games. And it's not even that they're losing a lot of games. It's that they're getting absolutely walloped and can not pitch at all. Someone posted, though, if you go on Baseball Reference and just see the team, like, uh, it's got the, like, schedule results, the yeah. bars up or down. Yeah, yeah. Way. 
and like they are so negative red, like <laughs> like the bars are so long, they like fall off the screen for so many of their games. And people were saying like they've looked at many of those from different seasons, and like they've never seen anything like that. I mean, if you, if it feels like if they give up like six or seven runs, that's like a, a the bullpen's going to throw a party or something. Like so, the other thing. Um, so there was one, the Mets played at the A's a few weekends ago, and I think it was the Saturday game I was sort of tracking on my phone, and I think it, it was, the final score was like 17-6, to the Mets won, and it wasn't even that, it was that I think the A's had 17 walks. walks. Yeah, yeah. Like, remember They had when, the one inning where they gave up like nine runs, and they had like allowed two hits. Well, the, yeah, they, well, the, the Mets, I think they scored three or four runs via walk, walk or, yeah, or bean yeah, ball or yeah. something. And we were, you and I were discussing. I can't remember if this was on the hockey cast or if it was a hockey cast, right? Yeah, for for baseball. But um, we were on a podcast, or if it was in person. But like you were talking about the World Baseball Classic, and you're like, yep. some of these teams are just so bad, and they had yeah, to the like Great Britain, Canada the Great game. Britain, Canada game. They had to cut short because didn't the one team have like 20 walks? Yep. <laughs> what? Like that's not even. Like, that's not even as bad. Like, college baseball isn't that bad. Like, yeah, it, Michigan it, college. It, it not, like, be. good college baseball. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, like Big Ten Michigan college baseball isn't even like that. Yeah, the, the A's are just unbelievable. There's no other way to put how bad they are. I mean, they've traded anything with any sort of value in that organization. Pretty much. Uh, I mean, you and I were talking last year at the beginning of the season, and you're like, you know, the A's are about to go on a fire sale. And, like, I, th- I know the Mets traded for, I think it was Chris Bassett, I think, last year. They got Bassett. And, then, and, and you then were like, the, the, the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays need to get Chapman, Matt Chapman. Yeah. And the Braves got Matt Olson, and there were a bunch of them. And the Braves got another player from them this year, Murph. Sean Murphy, yeah, yeah, the catcher. It's just... So they've... Well, and they got rid of Manaya as well. He went... Uh, to the Padres, yeah. and Montas went to the Yankees, and that the whole core of the 2019 team so that what, was in the wild card game. What is, is gone. this? Like what? What? I mean, this is is. I mean, I I understand that you you break down and then you rebuild, and you know the Astros did it, and you know the Orioles are doing it, and that kind of thing. But like this is no, this is otherworldly. But the thing about it is, and this is what I've said for a long time, is that like. If you are a really good franchise in baseball, you yeah. should never have to tear down, ever. Right. Well, the Rays. Yeah, right? but the Yankees haven't had a losing season in 40 years. Well, is that true? I they, believe it is, they, yes. they missed the playoffs They or missed something. the playoffs. Okay. But look at the years when they missed the playoffs. Yeah. They're still like 83 and 79. Like yeah. That's like a rebuilding year for the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, the Dodgers, okay. the Dodgers have been in the playoffs continuously for over 10 years. It's, it's and like, look at yeah. the roster from the first time they made it. It's like Kershaw. That's it. Like yeah. If you're in a lead organization like the Astros, you let Correa walk and you just replace him with Jeremy Pena. Yeah. Right? You just let guys go and, oh, we have Jordan Alvarez. Plug him right in. Right. And well, you can do that in baseball. You can do it in baseball, and that's the thing. Like that was what I complained about the Tigers all those years into the present about like, oh, sorry, we have to be really bad this year. No, you don't. No, you don't. Like that's the thing about the MLB <laughs> instituting a draft lottery. It's ridiculous. Like I don't care about like if your teams want to tank Tanking. all they want, go ahead. It doesn't convey so you, you could much take value. Some high school pitcher, pitcher that yeah, isn't like, going to work out. Like yeah. it, it's. Okay. I mean, you look at some of the best teams, how many of their guys were top five picks? Like, not very many. Like, it's, like a couple. Like, if you yeah. go down the list of, like, the value of top five picks in baseball relative to the other sports, it's not even close. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not worth it. It doesn't okay. make any sense. So, now, 
they're going to leave, right? Supposedly, like they they well, been approved. We, we're not going to talk about the possum situation. <laughs> we can talk about the possum situation. What I'm confused about is how <laughs> did no one visit the Coliseum during the off season? Like. <laughs> The last game ended, and they locked the doors, and then they showed up four hours before the first game of the year and unlocked the game doors for the first time. Like, <laughs> it's like when you like when you're in in class and you you go into your class and for the first time that year and you find the gum that you put on there from like the previous. So there's actually a funny story about this. My high school was a new school, right? Yeah. And so it was in the building of an old high school that had closed down because Ipsy was depopulating. Okay. So it closed the high school in, like, 2008. And then, like, the building wasn't used again until 2011. And my school was only using parts of the building as the school expanded. Okay. So we were the third class to come in. And so then now all of a sudden they have three years of kids. They need to use more of the building. Sure. So they handed out more lockers. None of these lockers had been open since 2008. Like four years. Five years, yeah. <laughs> like, they had to be – some of them had locks that they had to saw off because no someone one lost the key? Yeah, and you'd open it up, and there was, you know, ham sandwiches from five <laughs> years ago and coats and <laughs> all kinds of personal Some nerd that someone stuffed in there, and it's like his corpse <laughs> is like just – Yeah, so that was the Coliseum, evidently. No one bothered to open the road TV booth. For an entire off season, and then there's just a family of yeah. possums. Possums. Just... So, all right, are you? So they're they're gonna leave, probably. Right? Yep, to Vegas. Do you have like a, a? Do you have a positive or a negative on that? Well, the there's been all the rumors about NBA expansion, right? And so yeah, there's a scenario where Vegas goes from zero teams to four teams within like, ten years or five, which is pretty wild. Yeah. So, uh. You know, I'm a little disappointed for the fans of Oakland because they definitely got ripped off in the stadium negotiations and things like that. But at the same time, eh, should the Bay Area really have two teams? I mean, I don't know. I'm not like sobbing over that. So part of it for me, though, is I mean, the I mean, obviously the Athletics came from Philly originally, and then Kansas City, Kansas City. So it's not like they're like a they've been there forever, but they've been there a long time, and they've 50 had some, some years, and they've had years. some good teams i mean they had some of those teams back in what was like the early 70s the early 70s were really good and then they had the teams in the 90s the late 80s early 90s with like mcguire and eckersley and canseco and then they had the like the giambi teams and terrence long and tejada and with the the pitching staff right who was it It was a hudson zito and Mulder. Yeah, I think the right. trio, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, the Moneyball, you're a right. and then they had the 06 team that actually won a series. Um, oh, and yeah. then that's the only series they ever won under Billy Bean. They, In the playoffs? Yeah, they lost oh, like gosh. nine series and won one. Then like got, the Twins. <laughs> well, right, that's who they beat. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> they Why beat wouldn't... the Twins, and then they got swept by your Detroit Tigers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they had the 12 and 13 teams that lost to the Tigers as well with Coco Crisp and... Oh, uh, Coco Crisp, there's a name. Sonny Gray was a rookie on the one team, and they had A.J. Griffin and all these random guys. Grant Balfour was the closer. Uh, He's like a Mets castaway. So they, you know, they've had a lot of history. I just... And it will definitely be different for a new generation to read and watch Moneyball when the A's are around well, like the past. I like it in Oakland, so they lose... If they now the A's, but they've also lost the Raiders and the Warriors and then the Golden Seals. So <laughs> somehow they are going to lose 
a, a major league <laughs> team in every sport? Is there an MLS team in Oakland? I don't think so. I, there's one in San Jose, right? Uh oh, the earthquakes. Yeah, I don't think there's one in Oakland. Or the clash. But you remember. know, the thing is, again, it's the Bay Area. Like, yeah. They lost the Warriors, but they lost them to. They yeah. lost the Warriors the same way Detroit lost the Pistons to Auburn Hills, right? Like, it's not that far. Yeah, but it's, they're still well, there. But it's well, okay. But it's it's in a different the, city. The and, A's and, and Raiders. The A's and Raiders are a little different because there were rival teams in San Francisco, whereas the yeah. Warriors have always. So now you the Warriors have always been the Bay Area's. Right. You can't. Team. You can't go and like all of a sudden root for the 49ers or the Giants now, right? Well, then that's the thing. Like the those the earthquake series, right? The yeah. 89, right? The 89 series, yep. yeah. And I don't know. I don't know why we're talking about this so much. I, I think it, it kind of stems from just... I'm trying to remember just teams... Well, it's funny to bring up the Golden Seals. They were probably one of the last teams that were like this bad in their sport. Yeah, I mean, it's... The thing is that... Part of... I mean, tanking has rejuvenated teams being really, really bad. Yeah. Because there's an incentive to do so. But the increase in parity has meant that... It's hard to be like catastrophic. This poor. It, it's like when you look at the differential, right? Yeah. Like if you look at the NHL and the the best teams of all time and the worst teams of all time by goal differential, they're all from the seventies <laughs> because you had just a shocking imbalance in parity yeah. in that era, and so you had just a lot of games that were comically lopsided, and with leagues with revenue sharing and free agency and trades and all the different things you have now, different mechanisms designed to stop that from happening. It's pretty rare to see a team that bad, but um, the A's wanted to be that bad, and so they are, I guess. Well, instead of continuing to talk about things that are that bad, let's talk about teams that were good, like Michigan Hockey, who was really good this year for the second, third Real year in a row, second year in a row where third, they were they were in it. Yeah. But yeah, this, they were top ten. Yeah, but this past two COVID years were year. a different level. Sure. They were one seed. They were you know had a lot of expectations, and so um, so let's go into. We figure we we just kind of talk. Last week we graded everything, players and coaching area, different areas of the team, and now um, we figured we would look forward to next year, which is generally our last podcast of the year. Um, so segment one, we talk about forwards, you know, who's going to lead, who's left, who's coming back. Um, so gone are Mackie Samuskevich. Farewell. Nolan Moyle. Bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in how many of these you can no, come up with. I, I Nick Granowitz. I can't come up with any more. Nick Granowitz and Eric Ciccolini. Yes. Right. So. Those are the forwards that are, that will not be back, uh, for sure next year. And... Then you have, I mean, I guess, I mean, we can talk about this now. The one that will dominate basically all Michigan hockey fans' lips for, what, I assume a couple of months now is Adam Vantilli. Yeah, he's in the question mark. We'll get to him in a second. You want to, you want to push sure. that off? Okay. Samo is signed with the Checkers. We discussed that previously. Not the Charlotte Chess. No, nor the restaurant. <laughs> uh, ah, well done. So, have you been to the restaurant? Uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but yeah. you like those kinds of places. We're going to move on. <laughs> um, Granowitz has transferred to UMass Lowell. He has, which is not, well... It's so a decent program. They've had an interesting story. They made story. the tournament last year. Yeah, they for three, four, five years, they were a top 5'10 program. The Riverhawks. Right? I mean, they were playing really well. He was um, Norm... Oh, I can't think of the coach's name. 
Anyway, when um, Adam and I did a, a piece uh, we called Alternatives to Mel, which looking back at that, uh, there's a different connotation to that now. But we were just saying, okay, look, it looks like Michigan's going to hire Mel Pearson. But yep. instead of, like, let's just, like, throw all our chips on Bonnie Thole, like, let's what, – what happens if we actually look around? And sure. I think it was Norm Bazin, I want to say it is, um, was – a guy there, and and they were hot at the time, and yep. I mean they they had made they'd won done well in Hockey East when Hockey East was really really good. They'd made the tournament. I think they made the Frozen Four at one point. They did. They had Hellebuck, right? Yes, uh, they did have Hellebuck. Yeah, we discussed that. Um, so good for Grano. Uh, you know, it's not the worst landing place in the world. No, um, and he still gets to play in a real conference. Yeah. Moyle is just done, done. Well, he's played, out, literally of, played, out of eligibility. He's literally played five years yep. of college hockey. It's hard to do more than that. He is transferring to a desk job. Is it? He's not going to play. You don't I think that? I don't know. I mean, maybe he signs Maybe somewhere. the SHL? He could go over to Europe, I guess. Well, that that's in that's in the south. There's a southern hockey league. Well, there's also the SHL in Sweden. Okay. Um, anyway. and then uh, Maybe Chick- he's the return in the man deal? Ciccolini has uh, transferred to... Clarkson? Clarkson. Yep. The Golden Knight? I think they're just the Knights. They're just the Knights? I mean, that's another decent program. Like, that's well, a team it, that can pop up in the tournament, like, every five years. It used to be good. They used to yeah, run the ECAC. the ECAC, and they would be a two-seed, sometimes a three-seed. But they've sort of been—their place has been taken, more or less, by Quinnipiac. And now Harvard and Cornell are both really pretty good every year making the tournament. Yeah. So, my freshman year, Michigan started the season with that— Upstate New York trip. Yeah. Like St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence was the tune-up game, and then Clarkson, Clarkson was the yeah. real game. Yeah. Uh, so, not as great a landing spot, but... Um, it's, it's a, you know... He gets to play another year of hockey. not Alaska Anchorage, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, those those four are gone. Uh, so, you, you sent me a, a list. I'll read through the nine returning guys. Rutger McGrory. As of now. As of now. I mean, I don't see this changing unless something crazy happens, but Rucker McGrory, Gavin Brindley, Jackson Hallam, TJ Hughes, Philip LaPointe, Dylan Duke, Chris Chris Draper. I did it. <laughs> he, has, he hasn't played much. Keenan Draper, Frank Nazer, the third. The third. The third. And Marcus Stappa. We are, lost one the third this week, but we're keeping Frank. We did. George Washington, the third. No. No, Greg, no he didn't. Greg leave. Glenn was the third. He was? Yeah. It, it's not Greg Glenn. It's Glenn Greg. <laughs> We, we talked about this. All right. And then there's the possibility of Fantilli, yeah, which so would be... nine forwards um, back, and then Fantilli is the question mark for the 10th. Right. And then they bring in Chase Pletsky. That's what it sounds like. Um, I don't know what Pletsky sounds like. Uh, I looked up his numbers. I don't know if you've done any deeper digging. I don't really understand this one. Uh 15 goals, 9 assists for 24 points in 100 games. He played 20 games at Miami last year. He had no points. He took 34 shots. He was been... Uh, that basically means he was the 19th skater and wasn't taking many shifts. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, so they, they bring back 9 for sure, potentially 10, and then there's 5 forwards that you think are probably coming in. Yeah, the the Plutsky thing to me strikes me as like I'm trying to think of the comp of this, but like it sort of feels like like transfer portal Kurt Taylor in some ways, where like <laughs> the, Kurt Taylor, like, <laughs> okay, 
because Plutsky's from Michigan, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, to me, it strikes me as, like, Space City, he wants to be, like, get a grad degree from Michigan. And they're like, sure, we'll have you in the program. You can hang so out. So he's not going to play. I mean, he, he couldn't get on the ice at Miami of Ohio. And they were they were not Oakland A's bad, but no. they were bad. Yeah, like, I mean, that does not strike me as a guy who's going to be playing. No, he played I, 20 games of zero points, which, again, means you weren't taking many shifts. Uh, That's probably true. He also, I mean... He played 31 games two years ago and had seven goals and no assists. That's hard. <laughs> I mean, he had a he had a power play goal and a shorthanded. So apparently he's playing on specialty. Anyway, I don't know. It doesn't uh, strike me as a guy who's going to be in the lineup. Not for a team that regularly. is probably, yeah. I mean, going to be top, what, five? Yeah. It, it if, stri- if Fantilli comes back, I mean, we'll get to some of these other players. But if Fantilli comes back, how are they not number one? That's, I mean, I don't know. All right. Okay. That's, that's a off topic. Sure. Okay. So, all right. So we can kind of go through some of these. Rucker McGrory, first round pick, had a really nice year. Should be on the top I line. I think he's probably going to take a bit of a jump next You'd year. I hope so. Gavin Brindley, same thing. He's even younger. Yep. Hasn't been drafted. Will be drafted probably mid to late first round is what the whispers are. Maybe second. I don't think he'll get past the first, but again, we're a little early to, for when. But he the took draft a jump in the second half of the season. Yep. We both graded him really, really well. He's Should you know be high in the, lineup. the interesting thing about him is like we we'll debate this when we I have a, a mock lineup and we can talk about that. Um, but he's probably going to be a top six somewhere. I think yeah. there's a couple of different options based on his skill set. But um, then Jackson Hallam, who was flashed a lot, had really fast. Um, Put it all together at different points, but was not very consistent. Should, but I mean, he should be like a middle six guy. Yeah, he's an older guy too, right? You know, he was drafted a couple drafts ago. Yeah. Yep. TJ Hughes, who is an older guy, uh, going to be a sophomore, kind of a, he'll a be, throw in at the end, ended up being, what, a top five, six scorer. He'll be either the second or third line center, depending on how things shake out. Uh, that's Yeah, I was thinking that too. Philip LaPointe. So here's a guy where you're like... Now or never. He couldn't even play this year. I mean, Granowitz took his spot, right? I mean, that was the guy that they were... I mean, in fairness, Granowitz is older than him. I mean, this this is the one that for him is now or never because he will be significantly older than the guys that are going to be pushing him. He's a he's going to be a senior, senior I think, right? right. And yeah, because so he be, came in as Kent Johnson. He's going to be competing for roles with like Keenan Draper and then a bunch of freshmen. So like, if you can't win that battle, then yep, it's kind of. Dylan Duke is another probably middle six probably, winger. Probably top six. So he could be on the top line, too. It just sort of depends I mean, on... I he's a complimentary player. You p- plug yeah. him in wherever. Right. We know kind of what he is, and he's a guy who's probably going to be here four years, and, and he has a definitive skill set that is not leaving the hockey anytime soon. Keenan Draper played, what did you say, nine or 11 games last year? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Surprisingly high. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was lower than that, too. We <laughs> talked about that. Frank Nazar, who's going to be, what, one or two C, depending on depending. the decision. Yeah. And then Marcus Stapa, who they tried to fit in on different lines to start the year, but ended up settling on the fourth Just line. Just needs to stop taking minor penalties. Yeah, he there were... There, or major penalties. Uh, he's an fighting. interesting guy that we could talk about a little bit if he wanted, but... Um, has some upside and is differently sized than a lot of other players. They've tried to play him up in the lineup at times, and it just, just didn't never work. Yeah. really clicked. So, um, and then you have Adam Fantilli, and that's I mean that's the question is like 
Is he coming back? Uh, I don't know. You don't know. So he is playing in the World Championships for Team Canada. That's news we got recently. So how? Okay. So he's 18. He's about to be drafted. Correct. How many other players do that for Canada? Uh, I would have to go back and look. I mean, are there guys... I mean, is this... This is not the a... World Championships is always tough because you you cobble together a roster of guys whose teams didn't make the playoffs <laughs> or just like... No, probably not this so year. In, in the past, it was like if your team got eliminated in the first round, then you could go. But the first round's later now. Yeah, Crosby could go. But it's like it's a, it's guys who don't want to go to the offseason yet. Like they want to... Play, play a little, play more, a little more So like you yeah. can get weird rosters. So... I wouldn't read too much into that. Bedard turned it down. Fantilli decided to go. Um, what do you think about those two decisions? I think it's good for Fantilli. Um, I think Bedard doesn't have anything to prove, so he can just hang out. Fantilli, something- Fantilli, I think, can benefit from going to Europe and playing in that tournament, right? Where I think it's in Europe, wherever it's being held. But playing against men's teams, that's yeah. the biggest thing. It's not a junior tournament. It's not the U18s. It's a men's league tournament. I mean, he played college hockey against French for 25-year-olds. What do you want? Well, try playing 35 <laughs> So, but um, I think a lot of it will come down to him and his brother and yeah. whether he wants to keep playing with his brother and that situation. You know, some of it, I think, will come down to the team that, that uh, happens to be drafting him whether it's in the number two or number three slot. So if you're a Michigan fan that wants him back, who are the top couple teams that you would want to see draft him? (sighs) Probably Chicago, which is bad because we don't want him in Chicago. But, um, well, there might be Blackhawks fans (laughs) listening that want him in Chicago. Um, because Chicago is like right at the start of a rebuild. Like last, this past draft was like their first draft of the rebuild. Yeah. And, like, if they give Fantilli, that's not enough. Like, they, they still need yeah. to stock the farm. So I assume they will be tanking again. The roster isn't anywhere close. I think that one makes sense where they're not going to rush it. Arizona, maybe? Maybe, but... So the rumors so, are that, that Cooley... Cooley's on the fence, too. So right. we don't know what's going on with that. Do you think that. that it's, in some senses, it's both or neither with these guys? Could or be. Or do you think it's they're Could completely be. isolated? I mean, so Arizona is going to try to be good for when their building opens. Which, which is what years year? away. Okay. Um, so, like, I don't think they're going to rush to try and fill an arena that's already full because it's got 5,000 <laughs> seats. And, I mean, opposing fans come in and buy up all the tickets anyway. Yeah, and then watch their teams lose. <laughs> Coyotes were really good at home Which this is year. A, probably one of the weirder things of the <laughs> NHL season, I would say. Um, the one I would say you don't want is is Columbus. Yeah, because they have they want to they want to be good right now. I don't know how they will in that division, but well, they thought they were going to be good this year, and then we're surprised. So <laughs> were you surprised? I was surprised they were that bad, but well, I was not surprised that they weren't a playoff team. But part of it was like once we get to being well, a certain level of bad, you might as well. Well, well, Wierenski well got bad. hurt, and a yeah. lot of things cascaded. Yeah. But I think Washington, Detroit, St. Louis, Vancouver, any of those teams yeah. moving up would be danger zone for trying to get him right away, especially Vancouver. Um, Cause they don't know how to rebuild. Philadelphia, I think is angling towards a full on rebuild. So if they got Fantilli, I think that might not be bad either. Okay. Um, so that would be my take on it. Okay. And it, it I mean, you and, and, I, and a lot of it will come down to again, what he wants, because yeah. we've seen a lot more deference by teams to the player and letting the player have a say. And they do have the power in college hockey. Do you, do you think it says anything that he has not decided yet? Potentially. Like, it's even in the conversation. 
Like, cause, but we've just seen this more and more now, right? We've seen a decrease in the number of guys who get picked high in a draft go straight in. Well, Shane Wright didn't, right? Yeah, he, he, he tried, got he got but... his nine games, and they sent him back, and that was a whole thing. I mean, the only two from this draft were him and, and Slavkovsky, I'm pretty sure. The previous draft, Eklund tried, and then Sillinger did, and I think that was it for that one. It's just not very common, and I think the drafts of Hughes and Kako and the one, you know, that little window, Lafreniere, um, we've just seen guys struggle a lot more than it used to. I mean, it used to just be if you were a top three, four pick, you were going straight in right away. No one ever doubted that, and Is- enough guys struggled at it that I think there's now some disagreements and do you think that could also be because a lot of the favored guys are highly skilled and smaller guys i mean like you talked about hughes and lafreniere i mean those aren't or caco those aren't Possibly, like the largest but, but some big guys take time too um but so but fantilli's probably not one that needs to physically mature what i would say about fantilli is for him to speak with jack hughes and maybe jim hughes and the devil's organization and basically just ask the question, was that first year for Jack Hughes in the NHL meaningful? Because Jack Hughes came in and he sucked. Yeah. I mean, he was like one of the very worst forwards in the NHL that year. Yeah. And then in year two, he was like, oh, decent. Yeah. And then year three, it was like, oh, he's actually pretty good now. And then year four, he's scoring 100 points. Yeah. And so if there is a feeling that that year number one was meaningful and he got something out of it despite being pretty bad – then I would say probably go for it. But if they say, you know, if we could do it over again, we'd rather send him to the NCAA one year, then maybe he should come back. That's what I would say about it. Because I, back in the middle of the season, I compared Hughes's numbers at the World Juniors when he was draft eligible to Fantilli's. They were pretty similar. You know, they're guys that I, I do expect, if Fantilli goes, he'll probably hit some bumps in the road. He's yeah. a really good prospect, but we it's hard to break into the NHL. Yeah. And... You know, if we're just being frank, he did not have a performance at the World Juniors, you know, like Connor Bedard did, right? I mean, it wasn't like, wow, this guy is a million times better than anybody else here. So if, if he goes, it, it may take some bumps. and um, But that could happen whatever year he goes. Right. So it's just a matter of, of talking with different people and what the what the ideal plan is. Yeah. And like you said, I think a lot also comes down to his brother and his family. And, you know, there's a reason that Michigan offered Luca. And yeah. wanted him on the team, and Adam seems to, from everything I've heard, just thinks that Luke is his hero and wants to play with him and be around him. And you know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a no. great a great thing for life to have. And you know, you don't get infinite opportunities to do that. So if he wants to do it one more time, if he looks at it and says, "Hey, we could do better," uh, I mean, it's not like he's going to be walking into a situation that he's probably going to have to carry the team. <laughs> sure, he's probably going to have some help and have a fun year should he choose to do so. Also, I think that my last point on this is that we've seen with these top picks that if they go back, spend the extra year, then they can make the jump and in, uh, in a lot of cases make it more successfully. So yeah. you, when Quinn Hughes was drafted, there was a discussion, then he comes back, and then he goes to Vancouver, and it's pretty seamless, right? Last off season, you had Matthew Nyes uh, go to Toronto, and Brendan Shanahan you know, showed him the facilities, and was like, oh, what do you think? And he was like, no, I want to go back. And then now he's come in and, and he's playing pretty well in the playoffs uh, for the Maple Leafs. So you just, have, I think, have seen some of the conventional wisdom change and that uh, perhaps coming back another year can set up that transition to be much smoother. Which is interesting with some guys. because the things that you've talked about have not been the things that you usually hear in discussions regarding this in terms of like, well, he wants to get his ELC started. 
and then the team is like, well, we don't want to start a DLC. So here's the interesting thing, and this this is actually a point I had about this. The wisdom is changing a little bit on that, or at least the smart people think it is. It, I don't know how the... What, Who are the smart people, Alex? We'd all like to know these. Well, Prashant Iyer, uh from uh, an analytics guy was arguing this about Marco Casper, the Red Wings' top prospect. And that some of the wisdom now is that you actually want to burn the ELC as fast as possible because you can get the guy to the second contract faster and get it to the second contract when the guy is not very good yet. Yeah, the Jack Hughes the model. The Jack Hughes model. <laughs> and, they, and, and look, if you have a guy like a Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and they come right in and they're a 40-goal scorer right away, it doesn't, take it. doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. when you start the ELC. But if you have a guy who's going to struggle in the beginning, it really helps to start the clock ticking right away because then when they sign the second contract, they're one year out. If, if Hughes had gone to the NCAA in theory, and let's say he just starts at his year two and never has that rookie year in the NHL, he'd be an RFA this summer and he'd be making $12 million. Instead, they lock him in at eight times eight last right, summer. Right, And they save $36 well, million against the cap. I the, mean, McKin- that's the McKinnon second The deal. McKinnon, yeah. yeah. So that's where it's changing a little bit. That's, a, that's interesting, too. Uh, so, okay, so we've talked about the guys that are, that are here that we know of and, and you know we've seen so there's a number of recruits coming in i think the top guy that we believe will be michigan's best freshman next year is nick moldenauer who is a recent grab they got in the fall right yeah so nick moldenauer is from the chicago steel in the ushl we're very familiar with that um, <laughs> got a few of those guys he is from mississauga we're also familiar with that uh, thanks to Owen Power. Um, you know, he was a guy that was picked in the 2022 NHL draft by the Maple Leafs as a local kid. He was in a number of... So he's an overager. Yeah. So he was a, num- a number of draft people liked him as like a back end of the first round to early second round talent. And a convergence of factors happened in his draft eligible season. He had a illness where he lost a ton of weight was not really in playing shape. He got back on the ice, and then he had a uh, Clint Malarchuk situation where he got sliced and almost died on the oh, ice. Oh, yeah. And so it was just a, a, it was a draft-eligible year from hell, basically. And so he tumbles in the draft, but gets taken, I think, well below what his talent level really is. And then he comes into his D plus one season in the USHL and he puts up 75 points in 55 games on the Chicago steel and has a lot of people really excited and, and really buzzing about him. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of skill uh, to his game and uh, you know, crafty. He's a smaller guy at five foot 10, but uh, I really like him a lot. He was the second highest scorer in points on the steel behind Max Celebrini, who is, a favorite to go first overall in 2024. Um, well, he had the quote, too, about playing with Fantilli and Samuskevich, right? Saying, like, hey, yes, be fun to play with those guys again. Yeah, and I think he's a decent comp for Samuskevich. Um, in in the difference in their draft positions, I think, could almost entirely be chalked up to what happened to Moldenauer in his draft-eligible season. He's a real talent. I think he could slide in very seamlessly. So is he a guy that if Fantilli comes back is a candidate to be on the wing? Sure. With, say, Rucker majority. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a skilled, crafty guy, can shoot the puck. Or um, even a Dylan Duke. Right. And, yeah, I, I think he will fit into the top six very comfortably, and he'll bring the, the passion with him. So all the, all the pluses there. <laughs> all right. Uh, number two, the next guy that I hear the most about uh, is center Garrett Shifsky. Garrett Shifsky. Who is small. He is 5'9", 174, according to College Hockey News. But he's old. And these are the kinds of guys we so he'll be want to take more of twenty. Yes. Wow. Okay. So he's a he's twenty like, right now. So he's like T.J. Hughes in that sense. Uh, Hughes I think was twenty one, but oh, he was even older. Yeah. Wow, that's really old. I think so. Okay. So Shifsky is a is a center, but tiny. Um, is he a guy that is? Yeah, T.J. Hughes turned twenty one in November. Is, is he a guy that – could he be like – let's say they get Fantilli back. Is he the fourth-line center? I think he would probably be on the third line. So you – Oh, do, well, okay, yeah. If, if Fantilli's back, you're right. He would be the fourth line. If Fantilli's gone, he'd be the third line would be my but, guess. But he's probably going to be a center. They're not going to move him to the wing. I would assume he would play center. He was okay. the – he was in Waterloo at the USHL. He was the captain of the Blackhawks this year, 52 points in 57 games. You know, just a solid take. I haven't I haven't scouted this guy yet. I don't watch a ton of USHL, so I don't have that offhand. But you know, just going off the statistical side, he led the uh, the Waterloo Blackhawks in points, which is a nice indicator. And again, I've just kind of advocated for taking more overagers that are solid players in the USHL because um, that that's going to be your depth. Yeah, it's just a, a a market that I think the team hasn't you know, cornered necessarily. I mean, he was top 25 in the USHL in, in scoring this season. So just a, you know, just a solid player that I think should be able to come in and fill in competently. And he, hasn't, he hasn't been drafted. Moldenauer, by the way, was third in the USHL in scoring Okay, um, while we're at it. But again, playing on a crazy team. So that's part of it. But, yeah. But so, Shivsky has not been drafted? He is not. He's not going to be drafted. I mean, he's... He's already 20. If he hasn't been picked by now, it's probably not happening. And he's, so, yeah. But that's fine. That's what we want. We want guys down in the lineup who are more experienced, will stick around, and, you know, be the meat that fills out the, the bones of the team. Uh, sure. Michael Birchall is the, the third guy that kind of keeps fitting into these lineups. Uh, he is younger, right? He's also small, 5'10", 150, according to College Hockey News. Michigan doesn't take a lot of big guys, in case you haven't noticed. Yeah, this is, I mean, I think I'm bigger than that. 5'10", 150? <laughs> uh, but he's an 05, right? April 05. So he just, tur- or he's about to turn... Well, when's his birthday? 18. Uh, like April 29th. So yeah, yeah he's so still it's, 17. Yeah. And he, so his draft year is also coming up. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get picked this year. Um, he was 96th on the future considerations um, draft board, but I thought I saw on the north the the uh, central scouting he was down in like the 220s from North American. So that's like a non-draftable range. He was fine. Uh, 38 points in 61 games for the Dubuque Fighting Saints at age 18. Um, I, it wouldn't be crazy if they deferred him a year. Just send him back, you know, let him get better and maybe put a more Shifsky type stat line together and then bring him in the next year. But um, I so, would assume for the moment he's coming in, but he, you know, wouldn't shock me if they push him back. So with the three guys we talked about and you had in Pletsky, that's four. If, if Fantilli comes back, that's five plus 
nine returning. Now you're at 14. They I mean, played with 14, I believe. This yeah, year I think you'd forward. want one or two more because all yeah, of their. They were, they were light at forward. And they this were year. deep on defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you probably could still take a couple more guys. Um, do you have anything more on him? or? No, I mean, I think that Burchill, you could defer him a year and pick up a guy out of the portal if you wanted to go mm-hmm. that direction, right? There. But there's but other will guys. He, will he be wanting to like get to college? Depends. Depends yeah. on the player. I mean, he's 18, so you can defer him more easily than you can like Tanner Rowe, who may be next on the list. Okay, so we can talk about Tanner Rowe. He's a little bit bigger, 6'1", 179. He's also from Michigan, Calumet. And he's an 0-2, so Calumet. he's... He's 21. He is 20 at the moment. He's turning... Has he turned 21 yet? Uh, August. No, yeah. He'll, so he's 20, yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- they got this guy in the middle of the year, I remember, and, I, and they got the commitment, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you pull up the stats, six goals, 15 points, and 58 games as a forward in the USHL at age 20. I mean, that's... yeah. I don't know. That's kind of scratch territory. Is he a guy that's coming in? So he's probably not. That's like the, I think Keenan Draper had like those numbers roughly. Let me look back at what he was at. But, you know, I wouldn't be going crazy about Tanner Rowe right away. Especially as an in-state guy, that tends to be, I mean, Keenan Draper had more than that. He was in the BC, no, right in the US, yeah. It is Keenan Draper numbers. When he was in the USHL, that was equivalent. Then he went to the BC and, and did well there, but... He's just a probably just a guy. Probably press box territory okay. as a freshman, and then you see what you have later. Okay, uh, the last guy that you had written down that we've talked about, who um, I think people kind of wanted to see when he was supposed to come to yep. Yoast, is Charlie Serrato, five eleven, one seventy. He's in 05, just turned eighteen, um, but he played on the USN or. I'm going to mix this up with the soccer team. US NTDP. NTDP. Yeah. yeah, the on the 18s, but got demoted at some point and also was I think healthy scratched at Yoast. He when was, they came here, which usually doesn't happen when you've already committed to a school. Like they're going to play you against, you know, where the team that and the fans that you're going to be playing for, right? I mean, so that was an odd situation. Yeah. Um Serato is I I mixed this up. Let me look up the Birchall thing. But Serato is the one who is two twenty sixth on the uh, North American Central Scouting list. Okay, which is you know because that's a different list than the European list. There's yeah. only two hundred some picks in the draft, so that means you're not being Mikey Birchall was not even on the list. Okay, so neither of those guys seem like they're getting drafted this year. Um, but Serato's only eighteen. Could you, I mean, and and getting demoted to the U seventeens. Could he be deferred a year? Possible. I mean, they could send him out somewhere in the USHL to play a year on a different team, you know, Dubuque or something like that, and then bring him in the year after. I just kind of assume that a guy with the national team program is just going to come in. Like, he's, those guys don't tend to go out somewhere, but it yeah. could happen. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, Even if you got, I mean, but Michigan has, I don't remember a guy that Michigan took who went from the U18s to the U17s. In that sort of, in that his like it's his last year, it's definitely unusual. Yeah, and you know, I maybe that's well. Anyway, and then the other guy that's listed that um, I don't think you wrote down, but Andon Serbone. No, he's gone. Oh, he's he flipped to Quinnipiac. Oh, interesting. Recently, yeah. uh, a little ways back. Yeah. Okay. So, thanks a lot, College Hockey News. 
And then you had Brian Nicholas, who's 18 and had seven points in the USHL as a forward. Uh, that's not great. He's still listed on Elite Prospects as a Michigan commit, but the USHL has him down as Quinnipiac, and that's what his Twitter has. Don't know why that hasn't been updated. Okay, so he's out. And then Brian Nicholas? Uh, Brian Nicholas is five points in 31 games in the USHL at 18. That seems Five like, points. I... That seems like a deferment. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, at some point, like you said, they're going to need bodies. So, I mean... So if we're bringing in Shivsky, Moldenauer, Birchill, and Rowe, that's four. Pludsky, five. You already had nine. That's up to 14. Fantilli, possible 15. Yeah. That's uh, probably me, fine, and, right? and then if you bring Serato Sh- in, then, like, just defer Nicholas or defer somebody else, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, defer I just, Bill Birchill, whoever you want. Just yeah. and kick then, the can down the road. Because right now they don't have a lot for a 24, I don't think. No, I mean, you can push those guys back yeah. and get someone out of the portal if you need that. Do you think, I mean, can you foresee someone else coming out of the portal? Is that Would that surprise you this summer? Or I mean, they, that... they added TJ Hughes super late last year, so it wouldn't shock me. But that's not even the portal. No, that's... but that's just a body you picked up from somewhere. It wouldn't, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they got someone out of the portal or someone from somewhere else. Who knows? So, all right. Um, before we head to break, let's talk a little bit about potential lines, forward lines. So if let's say Fantilli comes back, because right now he's still technically on the team. I mean, are you thinking maybe like a, a, a Rutger, Moldenauer, Fantilli top line? I would like, if Fantilli is back, I would just stick with Rutger, Fantilli, Brindley. Okay. Then maybe do Duke, Nazar, Moldenauer, Hallam, Hughes. So stop. So can can Shifsky skate? Is that one of his? Things? I don't know. I again, I haven't scouted. Him. So the thing that I was looking at this is that like we ended up by ranking the centers and then the wings. It seemed that Hallam and Hughes ended up together, and I just kind of wondered if you thought putting like Hallam and Brindley with Nazar made more sense <laughs> because they could all pull out the horses out of the barn line instead of like. And then, because you, I mean, that was one of the things with Duke playing, like, if you put him with Hughes, that would probably be a more similar skating line. Yeah, I think you would need a fast guy with them, though, just so for, you'd the tra- want... for the transitional ability. So maybe Hallam... Because sometimes if you get three guys that can't skate, and then they can't break the puck out of the zone. Right? Like... <laughs> That's So So you want to, like, you want to, like, break up... You should always have some balance. Yes. Is generally my belief. Okay, so let's so let, we'll start over then. If because I was wondering where you were going to go with that. So fan, so you would think even Brent Brindley, Fantilli, Rutger, like they had this year, sure. and then maybe a Nazer, Moldenauer, Duke, right? And then Hall- Duke would give you the the digging, right? Yep. And you need a, you have front, and then you'd have Hallam, Hughes, and Shivsky. Sure, or do you think he'd or be a, or a Stapa or someone like that? And then potentially Shivsky versus like a, a Lapointe for the fourth line center. Yeah, or if you Der Draper, or if you brought Serato in and you move someone else to the wing, um, they have enough bodies that you can credibly fill out a bottom six. Yeah, and I mean, it, I mean, if you get Fantilli back, you're basically looking at nine to ten of the spots just sort of fill themselves, especially when sure. you add in Moldenauer, and sure. then and then you can kind of just have an open competition for the last two or three spots. But 
I think that'll be the more probably the interesting thing about fall camp is seeing kind of who connects and and how many freshmen really pop because this year obviously they had some highly drafted ones or or but they also had a couple guys like Hughes that worked their way in the lineup and ended up becoming big pieces. There could be one of those next year. Yep. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling through, just like you always do. Skies drive the dark clouds far away. So, will you please say hello to the folks that I know? Tell them I won't be long. They'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song. Again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Okay, so then on the back end, we've discussed a number of recruits and, and returnees, of which there are plenty, but they did need a little bit of restocking it forward. Defense, I think, could be. Uh, almost the opposite where, I mean, they have a couple of guys listed and, and you mentioned guys that could come in, but I mean, they lose what Hughes, which is a big one. Well, sure. That's, I mean, but that was uh, okay. It's, it's a big thing to lose, but you also like knew last year that you were losing him. Sure. Like this was, this is in no way a surprise, right? I mean, like this is, he's going to come stay two years and then. Sure. But it's, I mean, it's not, but it's like, still, well, we only lost one guy, but <laughs> he know, was like kind our, of a big guy. Yeah. I mean. And then they, and then they lose Keaton Pearson. Yeah. To North Dakota. So who I finally am getting his name right with any sort of consistency. And now he leaves and that's a big place to go. Yep. I, I'm interested as to like what Perry's going to play on there. Like, how many minutes, and is he going to get a penalty kill time, and, you know, that kind of thing. Because, I mean, you and well, I Nodak, both... Nodak lost a lot of guys. So they're just looking so for... So they're looking for, to restock human beings. Because you and I were talking about, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back, especially if you're looking at a third pair setting here. No, but they, they got rid of him, and they brought in two transfers instead. So. so, okay. So before we get to the transfers, the guys that are coming back are in no particular order... Brendan Miles, Steve Holtz, Seamus Casey, Johnny Duskinis, Luca Fantilli, Ethan Edwards, and Jay Karanen. We can walk through some of these guys the way we did the forwards. Brendan Miles, um, I think he dressed a couple of times. 
I mean, hopefully he dresses every day because that's like <laughs> illegal. But he'll probably but be in the press box. I would think so. Steve Holtz uh, was uh, well. We know his story. Solid, solid depth defenseman was played what third pair yep. uh, for the probably most important games down the stretch of the season. Had a game winner <laughs> yep. against against Wisconsin. Seamus Casey will be probably the best. One of the best players on the team, if not the best, or definitely in, the best defenseman. In line for power play time. The I, first would, unit. I would say that that's chiseled in. They could go five forward. You never know. <laughs> uh, I suppose, yes, by definition, that is a possibility. I think I think it would be hard to keep Seamus Casey off of it. But uh, then Johnny Drew Skinnies, who l- played a little at the end of the first half. You and I both liked him a little bit, but then never really dressed at all. I don't know if it was injury. Still haven't heard any follow-up on he's, that. He's an interesting character. We'll see if he reemerges in the future. <laughs> an interesting character, like he's in Scooby-Doo or something. Uh, Luca Fantilli, a guy who was sort of Druskinis but played a little bit more. And, and then was the and then, 19th skater in Yeah, and the they were like season. trying to get him a point in that Colgate game, because like he came out and was playing. Um, we liked his upside. I, I feel like it's not a slam dunk that he isn't in he, a role. He could play. Ethan Edwards is probably the second puck-moving defenseman on the team, third. I'd like to see him. He's going to be in his third year. He's drafted. We've seen upsides. I, I'd like to see him win a spot in the second pair next year. I think that would be That's where I think he's, he slots in more, most likely. And Jay Karanen. And we also forgot about... Jacob Truscott, who is not oh, on list. this list. Sorry, I didn't list him there because he was injured. <laughs> so, Jake Karanen uh, was a guy who kind of bounced around, what, forward and defense for a couple of years, scratched a number of times, and then became indispensable a little bit dur- during Karenin, some of the st- second half stretch run. Karanen has a red shirt and a COVID shirt available to him. So, he's could be here for a couple of years. Yeah, and he's already very old. But... He was. He's a good stay-at-home babysitter. He was born May eighth, nineteen ninety-eight. What? He could play college hockey he's until a- his age twenty-seven year. He's older than you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. He came in at twenty-one, turning twenty-two, and then could end up playing a five, six-year career. Six we year should career. send you to press conferences, and you should just address <laughs> him as old man. <laughs> and then Jacob Truscott, who was what? sort of. I mean, do you have more to say about Karen? No. Okay. Uh, Truscott, who was a fourth round pick, I think sixth, sixth round pick. I don't know why I keep thinking he was a fourth round pick of uh, Vancouver. It was thought that he could sign in this offseason. Seems I like he, he's leaning he against still, him. He still can, I guess. Yeah, but but, it, but it, at this point, it seems like he'll come back. And I would say he's probably the odds on favorite if he comes back to be the captain. Uh, probably. I can't him think of him or LaPointe, I guess. Yeah. Those are the seniors, right? I'm trying to think of sure. or Karenin. Yeah. Okay. Karenin could be. I, I, I would think that Truscott is a more important piece. And we don't know who's popular in the locker room. That's true. Um, that's why I said odds on favorite, not sure. slam dunk. Seamus Casey on the first power play unit favorite. But um, and Okay. So that's already eight. Is that right? Eight? That is eight. Yes. Holy cow. That is many. They and, have a lot of dudes. And we haven't even talked about the transfers yet. Um, so, in, in theory, in theory, they almost wouldn't even need to bring people in from a body's sake. I don't ever remember Michigan having this many defensemen. 
No, I mean there it it hints at the possibility that someone could be leaving, whether it's Miles or well, Miles is maybe like, Karen and takes his shirt somewhere else, or maybe uh, it Truscott's feel- really leaving or whatever. Yeah. It feels like someone else is is probably going to leave. So they bring in two guys to add to this pile. Yep. And it's Marshall Warren, who was the captain at BC. He was the captain at BC. That's interesting that the a captain leaves and goes someplace else. I guess Jack Becker did it. He did, yeah. Uh, Warren was a four-year player at BC. Never got too many points. Does score quite a bit of goals for his point totals. Like... 40% of his career points are goals, which is a little did unusual play, for a defenseman. Did he but, play, do you know if he played special teams at all? Uh, my understanding was he was top pair at BC. So. Ah, so he probably definitely played both. He was top pair. Wow. That is weird that he would leave captain and top pair at BC. I wonder yeah, if... He wanted to go to a good program. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> he was a sixth round pick. Of Minnesota Wild in the 2019. Wow! So we're draft. So we're replacing Eric Ciccolini, who was like I think what, seventh yes. round that year. I think. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So he's a guy that are we expecting? Because so Casey, I, I feel like Casey Truscott. If they're both back, that's the top pair. So, um, I think that. I think that Warren makes a lot of sense to pair with uh, Truscott, or sorry, with Casey. Because? Truscott's played the the right a lot. Okay. Right, he's played the right next to Luke, Luke Hughes. Hughes. yeah. And Edwards is a, is a left shot, so I think it makes more sense with Warren being a left shot to go Warren, Casey, Edwards, Truscott. Hmm. If you're preferring handedness. Sure. Okay. Well, that could be. And honestly, you know, at that point, if... if well, if, if Warren is, is pretty good, I mean, you could see both pairings getting a lot of use. It, it doesn't seem like there would be as much of a 1-2 as a 1-A, 1-B. I mean, if you're bringing back Truscott. I think the thing is that I, I anticipate Warren being probably about as good as Jacob Truscott. Similar draft Do positions. You? Okay. Similar draft positions, similar ages, similar experience. Why would he still be here then? Who? Warren. He was a six-round pick. Like I mean, in 19 draft. That's even older than Truscott. Uh, That's an interesting situation. I mean, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be. It just, it feels like, I don't know, like you get to a certain point and you go. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Vancouver needs infinite defensemen, but like, I don't think anyone's banging down the door to get Jacob Truscott in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, like, he he might reach there one day, but like, he's not in the top prospect. But I I was talking about Warren. Sure. Um, Who drafted him? Minnesota. Okay. I mean, I think my point with that and Truscott is that neither of these guys are probably NHL yeah, okay. players, so it doesn't really matter. Okay, that's fair. I mean, this isn't Brock Faber we're talking about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, so so you think Warren Casey, Edwards, Truscott. Okay, and then the other transfer they get, okay, to, um, Tyler Duke. Tyler Duke. Uh, who scored... 50% of his goals this year against Michigan. I think he had four goals, eight assists, if I remember correctly, and I think two of them. One in the 9-2 face-blasting game in January, and then he scored one, I believe, um, in the later series. He pulled the college Johnny Damon. 
So this from... is like what I was going to talk. I, w- I wanted to bring this up for a second. Like th- I don't get this. Like I get that. Hey, money talks. And if someone gives you money or it gives you an opportunity, you know, what colors you wear and what traditions you buy into, you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay. I get it. People do what they need to do for themselves and their careers and all Didn't of that. Didn't Jacoby Ellsbury do that too? Um, Signed with the Yankees after the being with the Red Sox. He could have. Trying to think, but there are certain like rivalries that you just don't really cross. Now, now this and this isn't football, although Justin Boren does jump to mind. But like Ohio State to Michigan, like I couldn't. I I I get it. You know, if you go from like even Penn State to Michigan, which is a big rivalry, but like, okay, there's there's, it's not the same thing. I wonder if. Michigan didn't want him the first time around. Okay. And that he wanted to play with Dylan, but Michigan was like, we're not really interested. Okay. And he went to Ohio State and then played. But of all like, the places then to go. <laughs> well, he's, so he's from Ohio. Okay. They're they're from Strongsville. So you, you know, if Michigan didn't want him the first time around, then you go to the in-state school and then he has a decent season and Michigan's like, hey, actually, we could take you. Okay. And he wants to play well, they with, must. He wants to play with the brother and the brother isn't transferring to Ohio State. No. And... I don't know. That's that's how I... Okay, that's that's that makes a little bit more sense. I... It would make a lot less sense if Michigan did want him and he picked Ohio State <laughs> and then after one year changed his it's mind. Like, ah. That's a little weirder. <laughs> yeah. Um, they must... Again, it's, maybe somebody's leaving or something's going on or whatever. But, um, I mean, I liked him. I thought he was a nice player. Um, but, again, he's the 10th guy. Well, he's not the 10th guy in order. I mean, he no, was a starter for a team that right, made the regional final. Right, right. He's going to be playing. But they brought him in. Sure. When they have other guys that they've also brought in at previous times. And so that's 10 defensemen, which is... Almost two full sets. Of but if defense. they so let's say they don't really like Driscinnis, they don't really like Luca Fantilli. Okay. Miles isn't a viable player. Okay, then you need. You so know, now you're down to now you're at five. You well, bring in Warren. You bring two in, and then and then you have your seven guys you like. That's okay, a, that's a possibility. But it's also a possibility someone's leaving. That's so. true. So you like Duke? You think that he's going to play? He's probably I not would coming. So and probably at this point third pair with either a Karenin or a Holtz or a Luca or somebody yeah. like that, depending on, I would guess, some fall camp and who shakes out and yep. who doesn't leave and that sort of thing. Um, and then there are two recruits as well that I <laughs> I don't, I mean, unless several people leave, can you carry 12 defensemen? <laughs> you don't even uh, know so again, if this is if scholarship limits are are fake and we're just carrying seventy five people on a hockey team, yeah, and but, they want to be one of the seventy. But some of these, and, but but people don't usually go there where the line is too long. I mean, people don't even <laughs> don't wait that long in line for like the drag the top thrill dragster at Cedar Point. Like at some point, you're like, all right, we're gonna do something else. Like I'm not I'm not gonna wait four hours for this ride. Yeah, so the two guys are Joshua Orico. And Jack Wilson, and they're both tiny. And neither of these guys look like players to me. Um, well, they're one of them. Orico is it Orico or Rico? I don't know. Okay, good. And we're gonna have another Keaton Pearson. <laughs> he scored situation. thirteen points in forty-one games in the NAHL at nineteen. Well, that's. I don't know a ton about the NAHL, but it's, I would it's tell you below that if he's USHL. But if it, that's where TJ was in, right? No, he was in the AJ. Okay. 
Um, but okay. if he was a, a a draft plus one in that league, and he still only averaged what like point three ish points per game, a little less than that. His he was he put up the same points per game in the NHL as Brendan Miles did. At uh-huh. one year younger, but still. That doesn't seem like a player to me. No. Um, and then, so the other guy is Jack Wilson. He's even smaller than Joshua Orico, Orico, Oracle. I don't know. We could have fun with that name. Um, five seven one fifty nine is is tiny, but he's still only eighteen. Two um, L Jack. Yeah, Wilson. Wilson and. So he played CompuWare, then he went to the USHL. He was in Youngstown this past season, 16 points in 56 games. Oof. 18 years old, though. It seems to me like that's a deferred guy. Uh, I think he was... It also seems like a... Not even deferred. Like, why... What are we seeing here? Well, you give him a couple of extra years, and maybe in two years' time, he's Nick Blankenberg, right? Oh, okay. I mean, Blankenberg came in at 20. That's true. There's no need to bring this guy in right away when you already have... Yeah, which explains why they went and got Warren and Duke, because neither of these guys are probably ever coming in. At least not right now. Not That's, right, that not would right be now. my guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's a number of guys in this class that could be deferred to next year like when you look at the forwards and and then the defensemen i mean you could easily make a case that four it's five, a long way of saying that the people in this class are not very good no uh <laughs> it looks like moldenauer could be a player maybe shifsky and then after that virtual possibly down the road serato is interesting but those but, are but those are guys that are down the road there's i mean michigan has been a in terms of instant impact yeah for like 4 years now where you're just bringing in these monsters yeah no cam york no um this is it does not appear that they have i mean moldenauer and then maybe shifsky are guys that contribute in year 1 possibly yeah i mean after that you're probably looking at whatever happens next year more than anything um, so we can move to goalies. Okay. So Eric Portillo, who has been, you know, a two, almost like two different players the last two years, um, is gone, signed with, okay. So he signs a deal with the Ontario Reign, R-E-I-G-N, yep. Ontario, California, not yep. Ontario, Canada. Doesn't play. Cause I was looking up, they, the Colorado Eagles eliminated them and I was looking at some of the stats for the, some of the Eagles players, um, and I, I wanted to see if they played against Portillo, and I don't think that he even played a game for the Reign, but then well, this... Well, they were right at the end of the regular season, right? But then this week, he signed a deal with the Kings, so he's actually has... He signed in, so he signed an ATO with the Reign. Okay. Uh, and so then now he's signing his ELC. I see. That will kick in next year. Yeah, and he'll be in Ontario. You don't think he's going to play in Game Five? In <laughs> is right. I mean, that is that is that safe to say? <laughs> yeah. So he signed. He signs an ATO because I don't know exactly what the story was. I'm not sure if the Kings didn't have a contract slot open because uh-huh. you can only have 50 contracts total. Yeah. Um, They're so, also still in the playoffs. So, so you like, sign an ATO. You join the AHL team. He wasn't going to play really in the playoffs. I mean, they're not rushing to plug him in in yeah. the AHL playoffs. Um, and so now he signs the ELC. Okay. And then he'll be in the AHL. Okay. 
So he's gone. Noah uh, West entered the portal and then exited the portal a la Nolan Moyle. He was retrieved. He was, yeah, with one of those ball retrievers. I feel <laughs> like I made that joke before. I don't know. But what else you could say? The golden retriever, I guess you could make a joke on. Um, and then Tyler Shea is in the portal and is still in the portal. But... Could come back. I could don't know. Come it, back. But that's, I mean, he's a guy that Michigan has had, you know, a rotating at Jack Levy has been in yeah, that spot. Yeah, I don't spot. really know why he was Chad in the Cat portal. Chad Cat was in yeah, that Chad spot. Chad Cat. I didn't really understand why he's in the portal because typically those kinds of guys. I mean, you know. You okay. know what you are. So they get, they have, they have Noah West who comes back. They lose Shea. And then they're going to have this, Mar- is it Marcus Brandman? Yeah, but he's, he's gone. But now. Yeah. It looks like, what did you say, he got Papa Conte'd? I don't want to say that officially. Okay. We don't know exactly what happened, but that would be the guess. He's not going to come in for some reason. And then they bring in Jacob Barzuski from Canisius, who had a pretty okay, good year. Yeah, so the Brandman thing, his M was deleted off the line charts. Yeah, where but he plays with um, was it Serato? Uh, he, play, no, he plays or no plays some, some one of the recruits. One of the recruits who still had their M. Yep, and then he deleted the commitment post, so he gone. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> thanks, Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> um, which you know a a bummer ish, but I wasn't like pounding the table for Marcus Brandon. But Brand- I was intrigued, but. It's not like he had a 920 in the USHL like Straussman or Portillo did. But Brandman, th- that stuff happened after they get Barzuski. Now, or at least publicly. Publicly. Right. I mean, stuff who knows happens in the background yeah. long before <laughs> we get to know. <laughs> That's not even close to being true. You and I are the major <laughs> string pullers in these scenarios, Alex. So Jacob Barzuski plays at Canisius for. Did you look up his pronunciation? Um, no. Am I getting it wrong? My guess was Barcheski. Barcheski? Did you watch the game where they played in? No, but... But usually CZ is... I mean... Well, for... Well, Illinois had the guy. It was spelled... The, it was Pelcheski. Or P-A-L-C-Z. I don't. Yeah, E-W. Okay. A, it was a tackle. Should we, should we use both of them just in case? I don't know. That's just how I <laughs> okay. was looking at it and pronouncing it. Okay. So he... I didn't know if you had the correct one or if I... My... I just assume I'm correct. I don't know about you, but um, anyway. So he played what? Call him Jacob B. <laughs> Mr. B. Jakey B. <laughs> so he played what appears to be, what, 100 games? 40 and 60. Seems like last time I looked was 100. In four years at Canisius, uh, plays the most games of his career this past year where he, his team is, I guess, the best his numbers were 2.64 and 9.18 at Canisius. Um, I mean, that's, what, fine, good? I mean, the numbers are fine. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's Canisius, and they're... They gave up about 31 shots on goal per game this past season. They gave up 33.3 in 2022, and he had a 9.23 in that. So playing behind a team that at least very least is giving up lots of shots, we don't have shot quality numbers on that, but yeah. it's not like he's, you know, behind a fortress or something. And he's putting up good save percentage clips uh behind that, so that's all promising. The question obviously is just like how does he do against uh, you know, better shooters, more it's talented Logan competition, Cooley. but yeah. 
because um, obviously his numbers were not great against you know teams like that, but so was the defense. So he that. played pretty well, I think, for what two periods of that. Yeah, and Minnesota. then there was a five minute major, and it just spiraled out of control. Well, and I'm also, gonna go back and watch some of his games in the off season and there, get um, a sense of what's going on. They should him. have, I think. Canisius was, I think they should be on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken. There's probably yeah, games so. hidden in there, or at least, you know, clip packages or whatever. Um, I presume they're bringing him in to start. I would think, so. I think it will be a competition. Okay. A competition or a JJK competition? I don't know. So here's my thing is we've seen Noah West three times, right? And he barely played at all two years ago. He played three times this year. Was fine in a game that Michigan didn't show up. He was good in a game. In, in a good, he was good in a game. Michigan didn't show up in Hockey Valley. Then the next night is, I think, pretty good until yeah. has a bit of a breakdown in the end when the entire team just kind of gets sure. caved in and and collapses and blows the lead before winning in overtime. And then plays against Minnesota and on when it was a it little little iffier was not great in that game. And I think that the things that you think about. Guys like that are, you know, reflexes and athleticism and side to side and that sort of thing. And those things are not getting better. And I don't know, I haven't seen Barzu's Chesky, but it seems like if they're going to go out and get another legitimate goalie who played a bunch of games last year, who probably could have played at Canisius next year, he's most likely not punting his last year in college. I guess he'd have two years because he played in COVID. So I guess they could have him for two more years or for next year and the year after. Uh, I mean, he gets a COVID shirt, right? 2021. He played four years, though. One of them is a COVID year. Yeah, but he's using that this year. This will be his fourth year. No one. Uh, correct. You're right. This is his COVID year. Yeah, this is okay. COVID year. So he will play... My guess is that he's not going to take his last year in college and like rotate right i mean he'd probably play he he played 32 games last year which was the majority of games that canisius played i just it seems like yeah he's probably got to come in and win the job but like it feels like they're planning on him coming in and winning the job yeah i think that's the hope but i think they'll give both guys a shot sure yeah I, I I don't I I'm not, I I'm not, I don't think they're rigging it, but I do I also think that in the back of Nerado's mind when he's going around this summer he's not going and thinking oh I wonder who's going to be our goalie he's going to be like this guy's going to come in he's going to win the job and you know I didn't really want to tell Adam Fantilli come back another year and then put Noah Weston goal that may be a, yeah, I a mean, mean I, way I, of saying it I, but I, I'm I'm going to see what happens I'm going to be squeamish regardless. I don't love this goalie situation either way. Um, Would you prefer Brandman? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so there are not many options that you I would want. prefer to get a Haas out of the portal who played at a high level with a 920. That's what I would prefer. Matt Goleta? Yeah, I would prefer to get Ryan Bischel personally. <laughs> Just but... rip him from Notre Dame? <laughs> <laughs> That's what would make me feel good. I mean, we're going between a guy who's never Somewhere, played, a guy uh... who's up transferring from, you know, a, a minor conference yeah. or a guy that wasn't great in the USHL. I mean, none of those three were really appealing to me. I would have liked to have all three options and yeah. hope one of the lottery tickets hits, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, this is going to be the first time that Michigan's going to probably go into a year with this much uncertainty in goal since what, the JLF, Hayden L- Levine, LaFont- Levine, LaFontaine yeah. and 
and Levine's what freshman year, freshman sophomore year. Yep. Because so- sophomore year, I mean, you would have known both of them, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It. it uh, I trust Nerado, and I feel like if this is the trigger that he wanted to pull, he could have waited longer and tried to fish around and try to, you know, offer Ryan Bischel like a house in Burns Park or something. But uh, he pulled the trigger on this guy, and you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see who they hire as their because they get an extra coach, right? I think so. So we're kind of hoping it's a gold coach, <laughs> maybe. That would be ideal. Yeah. So I, I okay. So the you know we haven't really talked a lot of scenarios if if Fantilli isn't back, but if he is, I mean I don't think this team has a lot of glaring holes. Like we just talked, they have a lot of bullets for a lot of different positions. You know they've done a job filling spots. Even without him, I think they're still going to be probably a top ten team. Yeah, I think my way I would sum it up is that if they are getting Fantilli back, then the only question is, do they get the goaltending? If Fantilli is not back, then yeah, pretty good team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we talked before about, you know, does who takes a step back and who takes a step forward, and we think that Wisconsin gets better and State gets better and maybe Ohio State. Now, I mean, that's part of the other thing. It's like, you know, getting Tyler Duke is, I mean, are there any Buckeyes left? Has the tree emptied out? I mean, it seems like that unless they've find guys in the portal like crazy, it seems like that team will struggle a little bit. Notre Dame obviously getting Bischel back, but they haven't had goal scoring in a while. I mean, Michigan looks like they're going to be a top two or three team in the conference, regardless of how this plays out, unless, you know, there's just an absolute cratering before our next hockey cast. Would you disagree? Nope. They should be, they should be a good team. It feels like if you get Fantilli... You're probably a top two or three team. If you don't, you're probably a top five to ten team. And then, you know, you kind of you go from there. Obviously, the, like you said, they may lose a player here or there, especially on defense because there's so many bodies. But I would say that right now they have their pegged six or seven. And I wouldn't. it would be surprising if any of those guys left. Pretty much. I mean, it, they should be a good team. And we will look forward to it. All right, Alex. Anything left to say before you head off into your summer of travel and golf and what else are you going to do this summer uh eat popsicles to be determined to be determined all right well we will hopefully give you an update sometime in the summer otherwise we will see you in the fall Listening to Michigan Hockey Cast 5.26 for Alex Dre and David Nasternak. You got half a year with us, and now, folks, you get a half a year without us. Mm-hmm.